0: We've been missing you. Do you want to find the witch friends you've been missing? Do you want to participate in these conversations live? And do you want to support the work of recovering a true history of feminist ideas about magic? Do you want to hang out? Do you want an invite to Zoom together with Amy and myself, Every New Moon, along with our hilarious, diverse, wise, queer, creative, anti-racist science and awe-loving coven? You must join the Missing Witches Patreon. It's pay what you can, and we can't wait to meet you there. Patreon.com slash missingwitches. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch.
1: Be witch. 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 You must be a witch. Amazing. Amazing. So
2: Kate, how are you feeling, bud?
1: I'm okay. It is it's the wavy the, the wavy train. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. We heal in spirals, not straight lines. So we'll mm-hmm. keep going around and around and around the grief forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's I I I feel like I'm also just like, oh, like when I organize it in my head, I'm like it could not have been a better passing, you know? I'm like we were all there the days before the whole family everybody got to say goodbyes she was conscious and awake and my dad her oldest son was holding her hand when she passed so and there yeah. was no pain nothing so it it was it was like and on right on the spring equinox like
2: almost oh. to the hour so just that's the way to go yeah yeah, yeah. if I could choose yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, my grandfather, like uh, my father's father, just kind of like closed his eyes and didn't open them one time. And my father always used to talk about how like that's like the best death you can have is just like to go. And then that's how he went. You know, we went to bed and he was alive, and we got up and he wasn't. And mm-hmm. he always said, you know, like that's what he wanted. So we're yeah. grateful. We're grateful for easy passages for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and like a reminder too of death, like my dad and I were speaking, we're like, oh, sometimes just we go on living and we're so comfortable or whatever in our mm-hmm. life. And then we forget about this like ultimate reality that we all share. And so it's nice to be able to have those conversations and like renew that relationship with that thing we're all moving towards.
2: Yes. I mean, let's let's put this in the podcast. Hi, listeners. Hi. <laughs> you heard a, a brief chat that you know uh, <laughs> we're going to include because it's important. Yeah. The, mement, the memento mori, mm-hmm. the reminder of death. You know, it's yeah. it. In our weird capitalist society, we're meant to be terrified, but ultimately there is some comfort in it, right?
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and and Joan would want that celebrated. So I keep reminding myself of that, too. Like, woman who rescued so many dogs and lived so closely with that sort of, like, protective spirit. Like, she just, like, also just stoic librarian, like, take no shit.
2: Celebration. Yes. <laughs> we love take no shit abuelas. There. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: I love a librarian. I love a librarian on the other side, just taking no shit. <laughs> Categorizing.
1: She's chain smoking, cru- cruising around in the ether. <laughs>
2: So we are here today with Kate and Kristen from Magic and Alchemy, uh, Tamed Wild podcast. And we're talking about this because um, Kate's grandmother, Joan, just passed away. And Kate is with her family now, but has taken this break from her grief to sit with us and share that grief and hopefully, you know, make it a little lighter today. Um, thank you so much for coming to sit with us even you know when you're going through it thank
1: you and thank you for this space um when you were like oh we cry in this podcast I was like
2: great oh, yeah. I only only speak on podcasts where we can cry <laughs> <Yeah>. right,
1: <Kristen>? <laughs> because, <laughs>
2: Absolutely. because um you know I I found out that your grandmother had passed and so obviously I was like mama like do you need to reschedule the conversation we're gonna have like first thing in the morning tomorrow and we kind of decided that like talking is good and and I, I had to reassure Kate that like FYI, you know, crying is totally allowed on the podcast. I can't say we encourage it because that seems a little like heavy handed, <laughs> you know, trauma porn-ish, but uh, yeah, we definitely don't need anybody to stifle their tears. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm
3: doing well. Thank you. I was just thinking about crying and your podcast because some of your favorite episodes are ones where everyone cries, honestly, like they're just so emotional and they're so touching. So yeah, tears always welcome.
2: Tears always welcome. And I like to tell all my friends when they're like, Oh, I don't want to cry or whatever. I remind everyone all the time. And I've said it on the podcast a hundred times that shedding tears is your body's way of releasing stress hormones. It's literally taking the stress that's in your body and getting it out of your body. It's a perfectly natural and super beneficial tactic that our bodies use to relieve stress. So, why would we try to take that power away from ourselves or from each other? You know, like let's. It's
3: also and it feels good, right? Like you always feel better after a good cry.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, it's a shedding. It's a shedding of skins too, right? It's Mm -hmm. like which, like for this sort of snaky time of year, this like birch bark Mm -hmm. time of year too. It's like, well, how are we shedding? I was going to actually ask you, because I've been thinking about this so much, I think for so many witches, there is a moment that in their lives that is an encounter with death that is like an awakening, whether it's an encounter with their own death or there's like, and it could be a literal death or like a figurative, like, holy shit, I have to turn my whole fucking life upside down and rip off this skin and be somebody new or I'm going to die emotionally (laughs) or physically. I see you both nodding so you know what the fuck I'm talking about do you have yeah. do, do you have that story that that like which origin story
3: Oh man, I'm just thinking. I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but you know, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was like 24, and my mom is perfectly fine. Like she, you know, did radiation and she's healthy and happy. But at that moment, I think it was like the thought that death could possibly touch me, which was like a moment where I completely just kind of changed my life a little bit. And you know, like eating habits and just these patterns you have that maybe aren't the healthiest, but you're young. And so you're like, oh, it's fine. Um, And so that was definitely an awakening for me. And it was really scary, but I'm so, so grateful for it. Um, It's like a crossroads, you know, when you're faced with something like that.
1: Mm. I love that word crossroads so much for Mm -hmm. that space. I feel like for me, it was my grandma Lucy passed when I was eight or nine and I'd been living at her house in the summer and then lived down the street. And um, I feel like that was the first time where I was like, oh yeah, like this is, this is the thing. I don't know. I have Pluto on my ascendant too. So I just feel like I just keep, keep dying and keep becoming Mm -hmm. different. And so it's kind of just, it's been that wheel my whole my whole life
2: so keeping on the crossroads theme um how did you two cross paths how did you meet i mean i know one of you is in new york and the other is in portugal right now um how did you get together how did you start your podcast how did you
1: who wants to tell the story kate (laughs) uh maybe i'll start and then you finish okay Okay. (laughs) Um, I was working as a marketing director for a company here in Manhattan. And one day the CEO was like, Kate, we need, we need crystal gritting content on the blog. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, I don't know anybody who does that. And so he was like, well, just email this person, this, this Shelby person, she'll know. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just cold emailed this woman who I'd never met. And she was like, oh, funny you ask. I actually don't do Writing like that, but you should meet my friend Kristen. And so I reached out to Kristen, and I was like, "Do you write about crystal grids?" <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, actually, I can do that." So we we just sort of became pen pals um, through the work, and was I was so excited when I left that work. <laughs> and then maybe it's the podcast part, Kristen.
3: Yeah, so um Shelby, for someone anyone who doesn't know is the owner creator of Tamed Wild, who owns the Magic and Alchemy podcast. Um and so yeah, so Kate and I got connected that way. And I only did a little bit of writing for the company um that Kate was doing marketing for, but we just kind of remained friends, you know, Witch Web. And one day Shelby came to me because I do writing on her blog as well and said, Hey, I want to create a podcast. You know, about mythology and witchcraft. Do you want to do it? And, you know, Taurus Moon, like my first thing is no, like I'm a writer. I'm not a public speaker. (laughs) I can't do a podcast, but I kind of sat with it and I was like, I think I'm ready for something different. Um, But I told Shelby, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I need a partner. And she said, Okay, well, who do you want as a partner? And right away, Kate was the person I thought of because I saw her as somebody doing the work already. You know, like she was a witch, she was a writer, she was very passionate about all of these subjects. And so I asked her if she wanted to co-host a Magic and Alchemy podcast with me. And luckily she agreed. And the rest is history.
2: We've never met in real life. (laughs) So have you been in Portugal this whole time that you have been... Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, okay, so, so maybe
2: maybe let's get to that then. Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing in Portugal? What's
3: happening? Okay, so I started working for Tamed Wild about five years ago. Um, and But it had always been like this goal to move to the Azores. My husband and I, boyfriend at the time, came here on vacation. And um, we'd been trying to buy a house in California, on the Central Coast, which is so expensive, um, even for people who have you know, quote, like good jobs. It's, um, you know, involves getting into debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then we came here and at the time, the uh, housing market wasn't very strong. And some of Eric's family members, because his parents were born and raised here in the Azores, were trying to sell an old fixer upper farmhouse, which is exactly what we wanted. Um, And so we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, you want to buy this house? Like, you know, you want to do this? And here we are. And luckily, Shelby was so generous. And she was like, I would still love for you to work for, you know, Tamed Wild, the company. And I took on more of a creative role. Whereas when I was there, I was doing um, more like operations type stuff. And I've been here for four years now, which is crazy to think about. Time flies.
1: You have to see pictures of this place it's amazing and there's goats and the ocean and yeah the photos are just like moss it's so much moss
2: yeah yes, the goat is... the goats are the big jealousy trigger for me of
3: course. <laughs> of course well you're welcome to come um and babysit goat sit anytime because they're a handful um, but yes this place is a paradise and I'm so grateful to be here um, yeah, if you look at pictures, it's so green, but, you know, it is an island, so it comes with its challenges. It's definitely different than a mainland,
0: but I love it here. So for witches or practitioners or humans listening <laughs> who, uh, who feel that, like, call to, you know, flip the tables of their life and, like, go to the place that looks like their dreams, what do you say? I'm going to say go for it, right?
3: Um, Like, Kate, I have Pluto in my first house. So it's like all life is like burning it down and then like building it back up again. And I feel like I've been doing that my whole life. Um, So setting down roots somewhere has been really new for me. I feel like this is the first place I've ever actually set roots. Um, But I mean, it involves planning. Like I would never tell anyone like, oh, you know, sell all your possessions and move somewhere. It does take no? planning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, but I like, think, don't it also- lie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do it. I need some neighbors guys. There's a lot of abandoned houses here just waiting for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it takes, it's, it, it's definitely, um, a leap of faith, but I think it's also really fulfilling and it shows you you're quite capable of doing, I don't want to say anything you want to do. Like we've had a lot of support and I have my partner here to support me when I'm freaking out, like wanting to go home, he calms me down and vice versa. But I mean, I think getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that you've never done before are so important to figuring out who you are and what you're capable of. I just need to find the witches over here. I haven't found any Azorian witches yet. Still looking. But I know they're here.
2: Yeah, there's no way there aren't some old witches, even For if sure. they don't call themselves that, you know, with their, like, herbalism and their For sure. their little practices. <laughs> I want to know what both of your practices look like, because... We talk to so many different kinds of witches. We talk to kitchen witches and diviners and, you know, poets um, who all identify as witch. But their versions of witchcraft are so completely different. Maybe we'll start with Kate. Like, how does being a witch manifest in your life? And if you don't know how to answer that question right away, then maybe, like, what's your number one tool of witchcraft? Is it tarot cards? Is it, you know, plants, etc.
1: Poetry it was definitely the portal into witchcraft. Um, my mom tells a story about me being like four years old and sitting her down and making her transcribe my poetry to her because I couldn't write yet. So I was like, write down my poems, mom. And she has all of these. And so like Emily Dickinson,
2: <laughs>
1: I know, <laughs> Emily Dickinson was like probably the first kind of witch I, I met Um by way of like the spell book of the dictionary. Like my dad had me have like the full giant dictionary and we would read Emily Dickinson when I was like 10. And if I didn't know the word, then we would go look it up. And that was the, that was the sort of practice. Um, And, you know, poetry, I definitely went through the phase of my teenage years where I was like, this isn't for me, like just rage against the possibility of things because I couldn't believe that it was possible or that it was allowed or like a life. Um,
2: Can you repeat that last phrase that you were like angry at the notion of possibility because it didn't, I feel like that like, is probably so true of so many people outside of our community that it's like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it, It just being kind of like, so I, I couldn't get my head around that poet or poetry was like a real thing that like could be uh dedicated a life to. like it was too too easy, too magical, too um knowing and and so I rejected all of that because I was just like, nope, like it's not a real it's not a quote unquote real job. <laughs> I have to be a lawyer or something. <laughs> Find some way to like make words be. A different sort of perhaps justice or medicine or something and then you know I got um, I moved out of my, my and my parents were always like you can be a poet but I didn't want to listen to them either and um, I got to school at Kalamazoo College and I met Diane Seuss who's an amazing an amazing poet in person and I told her I was going to be a lawyer and she like laughed at me she's got like fish bones hanging in her office and she was just like what no <laughs> So she kind of like took me under her wing and like helped me help me go back into poetry. and now I've gotten my master's degree in poetry and have just kind of dedicated a life to that. but that that's kind of the cornerstone of my
2: magical practice. How about you, Kristen?
3: definitely a word witch I would say I've been writing stories since I for as long as I can remember as a kid like had a million notebooks of you know stories that were probably like poorly plagiarized things of like what I was reading as a at the time like as a kid like trying to figure out how to become a storyteller you know um but beyond that like I'm I want to say I'm a plant witch, but I think I'm more of like a dirt witch, maybe like I love the soil. I love putting my hands in the dirt, love being barefoot. Um, This past week has I've just been in the greenhouse. I feel like almost every day it's been, you know, like seed spells and just planting all the things like it just feels like what I was meant to do, like almost as like some type of like guardian in like a small, small way. Um, And it just feels like a gift to be able to work with the soil. Um, It feels like what my ancestors did. And yeah, I just love it. It's hard to explain maybe. I think you guys probably relate to this as well. I've seen on your Instagram, some dirty gardening hands, and (laughs) that's my favorite. Like I'll never have my nails done. Like I'm proud of these gardening nails um but yeah definitely a dirt witch word witch um you said that's my altar
2: you said seed spells um is the seed spell just like taking the seed and putting it in the dirt and watering it or do you have like a, a like a praxis around that
3: you know as i get older my spells are so so much simpler than they were at one time. And I think just speaking to plants, speaking to the soil, speaking to the seeds, um, you know, the act of planting them, of course, is really important as well. But I think what I love about seed spells is that it does encourage me to speak to the plants more. Um, I think so often we expect answers or we have all these questions, but we don't really ask the questions and, I was telling Kate the other day, um, there's, you know, as a, as a fellow plant, which I felt like she would appreciate the story, but I was doing an automatic writing session, a channeled writing in the greenhouse, which is my favorite place to write. And, um, you know, whoever I was talking to, I was asking about my guides and they were like, do you know why you love dirt so much? And I said, no, why? And they said, well, because one of your guides is a tree And I said, oh, okay, Um, that's amazing. I don't know what kind of tree, Um, but I think that in itself is so magical. Like that is magic. Like that's that to me is I don't know, just that is a seed spell. You know, that's a story I can share with somebody. So it's not always like an actual physical seed, um, but sometimes it is.
0: Do you have time, other times in your life where you're like, you're looking back and you're like, oh, that moment of feeling magic, I would now put in the language of like recognizing a guy. I I have that for sure. Absolutely.
3: And I think for me, like, I really didn't consider myself a witch. Like, I know Kate has been a witch since childhood. She was born a witch. But I feel like I've always been practicing magic, but never would have considered myself a witch. So I would write these things and I would go into these meditations and I would potentially be talking with someone, but I just felt like it was magic. I never was like, oh, this is witchcraft. Um, you know, this is specifically like a guide or someone who's helping me along the way, but yeah, absolutely. Looking back on it, it's, you know, what do they say? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah how about you Kate?
1: I think my first guides were fairies. Um, Mm. My sister and I we had a like a dedicated fairy garden where we would build houses and like dig up pools if there was thunderstorms we would make like bomb shelters for them in the summer it was so it was elaborate but um we would write and leave letters under rocks for them and my mom would actually respond pretending to be fairies and so we had um lily and buttercup were like their names but we um would often you know invite them inside build little altars take them to school in like decorated jewelry boxes we'd be like there's fairies in here and so um yeah fairies were definitely I wouldn't have called them guides I would have been like these are my friends isn't it amazing but um yeah definitely the fae
2: and how how do you access a guide for our listeners who are like where the fuck is my guide how do you access that voice
1: I feel like for me, it's just been kind of on an accident and then also just listening. Um, and I think that Kristen mentioned channeled writing earlier, that's been hugely helpful for me um, in accessing those voices and those guides, um, which if, if um, any listeners don't know how to do that, the way that I do it is I usually set a timer, pull out um, a journal, kind of get grounded in my space. And then sometimes I'll either put up like a picture or like Leonardo Carrington. I like love to do channel writing with, but, um, and then kind of like set an intention and then maybe an anchor phrase for myself too. So like, if I'm trying to connect with a guide, I might be like guides I'm listening or, um, I have this question or whatever I'm kind of trying to create that relationship with. And then anytime I don't, have a thing that's coming up. I just rewrite that anchor phrase until something else comes through and just trying not to like judge the words or like try to make sense of them until much later. And just until that timer goes off and then coming back and closing that space.
2: And Kristen, is your like physical practice of it the same?
3: Yeah, I would say pretty similar to channeled writing um, to like what Kate described. Very similar Um, I also love to meet guides in dreams. Um, if anyone is an active dreamer or a lucid dreamer, um, which I have been my whole life long before I knew what lucid dreams were, but, um, I love to set an intention before going to bed at night because in my experience guides or we'll just say guides will come visit you in your dreams. And, um, if you're able to become lucid in the process, um, there's a lot of magic there. There's a lot of answers. There's a lot of exploring that can be done in a way that is different, um, in my opinion, than channeled writing. Has a bit more of a magical sense to it because the dream world is so magical and so disjointed and special. So yeah. Yeah.
0: What about mm-hmm. animal guides? Do you have that feeling? I feel like looking back in childhood, there was like animals that were like in technicolor or like, you know, like there, there were moments where like I met or I ran into, or I connected with an idea. Similar like falling in love with a writer where it was mm-hmm. like reading, reading, you know we're all actually lit undergrads, I think here. So reading, reading, wonderful, love to get to read. What a pleasure to be immersed in all these novels. And then like, phoom, whoa like that writer walked through me in, in many colors, like that just changed who I am or lit up a part of myself. And I I had moments like that meeting animals too, where it was like, you're in the zoo. Animals are awesome. Zoos are depressing. This is a weird experience. (laughs) And then like, you know, I can't leave the polar bear for the next three hours and I'm crying. Like, I don't know what happened to me, but like something just, do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like you do. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, well, I think dogs being one of them, just like I have Banjo, he like is not great at podcasting. So he has to stay over there. But, um, um, and my grandma, Joan, who we were speaking about earlier would rescue dogs. So she would drive around to kill shelters and adopt the dogs and then rehome them. Um, and so there was like a rotating cast of dogs that we were all obsessed with. And then, unicorns were like oh my god when I discovered this I could I have not been the same since and then there was um my friend my best friend and I growing up we invented Avalon we thought we invented Avalon up behind the house in the woods and so that was where she had a kangaroo and then I had a cat with wings and they would like live together and wait up there for us so after school we would go and we'd be like okay the cat with wings and the kangaroo we have to call to them and then Morgan Le Fay and then we're gonna do our witchy shit and like make um whoa motorcycle sound um make you know mud mud potions or whatever <laughs>
2: how, how old were you when you were doing that
1: Avalon Avalon was probably um sixth sixth grade yeah. I texted Jules not too long ago and I was like did we say goodbye like what <laughs>
2: <laughs> <it> still happening? <laughs> oh, Avalon is still there. There's no question in my mind. <laughs> but I just love this, like, nonchalant imagination of childhood before, you know, we we sort of have our society that wants to drain us of it. And, you know, was it Diane de Primarisa who said... Uh, is, the war is the war against imagination, something like that.
0: The war is the war of the human imagination. The war is the war for the human imagination, I think.
2: Right. And and I guess it's just like living in society that sort of drains us of that. Kristen, like, do you see your quote unquote witchcraft? I know you, you use the term magic as opposed to witchcraft. So interchangeable, let's say. Um, like it, how your imagination works?
3: Mm. Oh, I love that question. Um, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but you know, when Kate was talking about as like a child, like these adventures she was going on, it's just it's so nostalgic. And I feel like as a witch, as a magic maker, nostalgia is an emotion that I use in my craft, that I use in my rituals, that I use in the work I create in the world. I think that's so potent um i don't know i was talking to my husband the other day and i was like nostalgia is so interesting because it's something that only exists in the future right like when you're a child like you have no concept of nostalgia like things are just what they are everything's new and then as you get older you start getting really nostalgic for these things of your childhood which i've been feeling like very nostalgic lately which is probably like a bit of homesickness too Um, but yeah, I just can't, I just can't get enough of it. Um, I love it. I don't know if you guys use nostalgia in your craft, but I feel like it's been one of the most like powerful things that I've connected with in the magic world.
2: I, I definitely consider myself, like if I had to choose one gun to your head kind of thing, like I would call myself a a sonic witch, a music witch, Mm -hmm. and obviously like nostalgia and music are. You know, they're joined at the hip. I, they're ostensibly terrible songs that I love. They're in my top 100 and I can't explain. Like, they're bad songs. They're just, they're Mm -hmm. poorly written and they're poorly performed and they're just nothing. But I love them. And it's for that exact reason that they access some, you know, Beautiful, happy, sad, whatever part of me that and these songs are like these tiny keys for these tiny locks that are like inside my my heart Absolutely. and my brain. So consciously, no, but musically, <laughs> definitely, nostalgia plays a huge role. In
1: you have an example of one of the horrible magical songs.
2: Oh God! I have okay.
0: a <laughs> I have a side God. story about this, but you're gonna have to remind me what this song was. But it was so funny, so. I only took my, I, I've taken my driving test multiple times, but I will be it this year. I'm 42. Uh, I bought a house nice. an hour and a half north of the city in the middle of the fucking woods before I could drive.
2: Uh, anyway, whatever.
0: I'm I magical.
2: know what song you're going to bring up. I, I,
0: I, I, <laughs> okay, good. So I, I'm a magical singer in the best and worst uh, ways. Um, but, uh, but, and Amy was like the only person I told I was going to do my test because I didn't want a lot of Pressure, you know, because but I practiced a lot. I've been driving a lot. I wore this T-shirt she'd given me like 15 years before when I walked out on a 10-year relationship. It says "the Let the good times roll" and it was like tight and yellow. Shit, <laughs> I wore that yes. shirt. And then, <laughs> and then she sent me a song and she's like, "You have to play this." And so, my I had a personal dance party to it, and then a whole family dance party to it, and then fucking rock the test and pass. And the song was.
2: Gonna be your man in motion. All I need is a pair of wheels. (laughs) I mean, probably most of the people listening will have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Speaking of nostalgia, but yeah. It was like the theme song from St. Elmo's Fire, but it was also, um, oh shit. Risa, what was his name? The, um... And you two aren't Canadian, so you won't know Rick Hansen. Rick Hansen, he was like somebody who was, I believe, paraplegic, and he did the sort of Terry Fox kind of thing. Again, you're not Canadian, fuck. Um, so, <laughs> Terry Fox was someone who was an amputee, and he, you know, ran across Canada to raise money. And then many years later, Rick Hansen went across Canada in his wheelchair. Mm. very magical very wonderful the his, man
0: in motion world tour
2: that's <laughs> <laughs> his, his theme song I guess for lack of a better word was this uh this uh, and I will tell you for some reason this song gets me jacked up like if I need <laughs> to do something that I yes. don't want to do I put on a little man in motion and I'm like i i got this take me where the eagle's flying <laughs> again nobody knows the lyrics so i can <laughs> nobody will know what i'm talking about you know what i'm turning on after we close out this conversation
1: i'm making
3: notes right now
2: <laughs> yeah yeah man in motion is the name of the song and i can't even think who sang saying it but yeah they're they're hunt terrible terrible songs like um Like uh, Jason Derulo, (laughs) like you know, or like the first time I heard uh, uh, moves like Dagger, (laughs) I heard it on. I was in a car and I heard on the radio and I was like. This is awful. I was like talking to my friend who was driving. I was like, is that Christina Aguilera? Like, what is she doing on this song? This song is awful. And then I got home and my brain was like, (laughs) and so I went and I looked up is there like a producer on this song that like, is and no, like the producer had produced like a bunch of horrible also songs, but there are just some things. And I think, you know, that's as much magic as anything else. That something, whether it's a polar bear, Or I've had this experience a lot where like a piece of art in an art gallery, you know, and you just see it and you're like much like the polar bear. You're like, I'm just going to stand in front of this painting for the next 20 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I sort of got over that whole cool music thing when I was about 15. I was like, you know what? I was always too punk for my hippie friends, too hippie for my punk friends, too into disco for any of them to tolerate (laughs) Um. (laughs) but yeah that's sonic witchcraft you know
0: okay Emily Dickinson oh go ahead no go I want to hear about Emily Dickinson
1: she said that she knew a poem um, was a poem when the top of her head felt like it was taken off but I feel like it's like with any of those things like the animal or the art it's like you know when you feel like your top of your head is just gone
0: fuck yes totally Totally. And that, I, I mean, we've been talking, it's come up in so many interviews that the description of what magic is as being the like crossing point on the Mobius strip or the, or in the moment where it eats its tail or, or spits out the future or like that, that moment in the, where the loop twists before the, you know, where the binaries interact. And there's like that really fertile moment where like, that is the present where something new can happen. And that is that feeling to me where it's like, we're we're sort of smeared across time, and then suddenly you're like whacked in the present, where anything, truly something new could happen. Okay, so that is like a casual segue to the question I was going to ask. Um, what's your most successful piece of magic? What's a spell where you were like looking back, you're like, oh, that fucking worked. I I wore a yellow shirt and danced to Man in Motion. <laughs> That's one of my one of my many. <laughs> it's oh, such a good question.
1: Oh, I know. <laughs> I got a message from an old writer friend when I was living in Detroit, working, doing global communications for Ford Auto. I was like, my brain was melting. And he just messaged me and said, are you bored? And I looked back and I said, Yes yes and so that yes was like the biggest spell it like uh cattle was the catalyst for like moving to New York City all of it but yeah saying yes to the I'm I'm fucking bored (laughs) yes
3: I remember when I was probably in my early twenties, you know, playing with magic, but not considering myself a witch. And at that point, a lot of my magical practice was meditating and just writing down the things I wanted and focusing on them every day, a couple times a day, um, you know, five, 10 minute meditations, if that's all I had. And, um, I was kind of playing with it. Like I wasn't you know, I wasn't trying to do anything great, but at the time I said, I just want to test this. And so I said, let's pick a, let's pick a number. I want to make $5,000. And I don't remember why I wanted $5,000. Like maybe I needed a new computer or I don't know what I needed. Um, but I was also just, like I said, playing. And so every day for about a month, I meditated on that and I wrote it down and I thought about it and it was always in my mind. And (laughs) I got my $5,000, but of course, never in the way you think um, it involves I, I hope me. it wasn't
2: like a monkey's paw kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> Not no. quite.
3: Um, it was like, you know, I got in a car accident, like a drunk driver hit my car um, and no, everyone was fine. Like it wasn't an issue. Um, had car insurance. The car insurance company paid me out for my car, which oddly enough, I had just bought a month prior. So I'd only made one car payment on this car. Um, and when the insurance company sent me the check, they sent me a check that was $5,000, almost to the dollar over what I owed on the car. And so I called my insurance company and I was like, I think you made a mistake. You paid me $5,000 more than I needed. And they were like, Oh no, that's it's correct. Like your car, um, you know, is valued higher than um, what you paid for it. And so you get the value of what it's worth, not what you paid for it. And I was like, Oh my
2: gosh! <laughs> the stuff. i witch. Works. I'm a witch. I'm a witch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
3: um, and so that was definitely like a moment where I was like, "Magic is real," um, you know. But it does take energy and time. And of course, people are like, "Well, if it's that easy, why don't you do it for everything?" But um, you know, it is energetically taxing in some ways. But yeah. and still it's- a good story.
2: It's it's hard to control. Like you know, mm-hmm. you you you. Well, I'll just use the word prayed. You you prayed for this five thousand dollars, but you know, mm-hmm. the fates took your car. <laughs> and exactly. So you, sort of, you never really know. Like, what am I going to be expected to sacrifice? Sometimes mm-hmm. is is a major question. And that's something that's happened in my life. You make these kind of deals with God, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, deals with God. You know, you make a deal with God, but. I think in lyrics, um, <laughs> that's Kate Bush. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you make these deals with God and you're not really sure how they're going to manifest. Mm-hmm. right? Just, just be running careful running what you wish hill.
3: for. Yes. It's like, you know, you have to be so clear about your intentions, right? Otherwise you can wish for something and you may get it, but you know, like you said, at what cost or in what way are you going to get it? And what are you going to have to sacrifice to get that? So yeah, definitely. It makes you think about, think about your intentions a lot.
1: Yeah. The altar of New York City expects a
2: lot of sacrifice. Kate, <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, did you ever read The Slaves of New York by Tama Janowitz?
1: No, but I'm writing it down. Yeah,
2: that's like, that's the idea is like that you have to grind so much that it's essentially like slavery, but you know, with with perks, because no one who's living and working there is actually like making enough money to thrive because it's so... Yeah, it, but it's magical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and let's talk about that a little. We've got a city witch and a country witch. Can you talk about like city witchcraft and how how you manifest under the the bright lights and then Kristen how you manifest under like the dark sky with the sparkling stars?
1: Yeah. Um pre-pandemic I used to have uh full moon parties where like 30 people would come over and everybody would dress in like all white or all black. And we would do some sort of witchery in the little like backyard here that all of the neighbors like would come and look and they'd be like, are you guys witches?
2: <laughs> is that where the rat Coliseum is?
1: It is where the rat. Oh, and also I meant to tell you all, we now have a, <laughs> uh, a rat wine cellar. Um, there was someone was doing construction.
2: Oh, right. uh, I'm, I'm going to vom. I'm going to vomit. So I'll just mute <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone was doing construction on the back and dropped something that cracked the cement into the backyard and so now the ground is open and we found all of these additional rat passages and so Cody and I are like it's it's the wine cellar for the rat coliseum but (laughs) it is a beautiful backyard (laughs) and in the summer there's all of this ivy um situation but i remember one ritual we had where I, i made everybody bring an egg with them and we charged these eggs with anything that we were like releasing at that moon and went out into this busy intersection and made a giant circle around the intersection and smashed the eggs into the street alt collectively and screamed and it was like the cool thing about New York is like nobody cares like (laughs) when I (laughs) was dealing with my grandma I was just crying against a tree like before deciding to go back to Michigan just in the park and it's just like it just keeps moving and just takes that energy and just you know and that's kind of like the magic of the place but there's two beautiful parks right here Um, McCarran and McGorlick Park and they both have their own sort of magic and the cherry blossoms in the spring like along the rivers it's just in cherry and herbalism just such joy medicine you know for grief and so I feel like it's not an accident that they're all all here for all of us in the spring you know.
3: I love asking Kate what a city witch does, because I feel like so many of like the, you know, um, the Sabbaths or just the, the rituals, it's like they're very agricultural, very seasonal. And so I'm always so curious, like how Kate or any city witch is able to kind of mirror that energy when you are so far removed from, you know, I guess I want to say the land because of course you're connected to the land there although the relationship is
1: is quite different. It does. I mean the land here though does feel like if you were to strip back all of it I mean it is sac- sacred sacred mm-hmm. land and like I I think it's so interesting like Broadway was like an indigenous community and trail prior to it being like the mecca of capitalism in Manhattan but like there is uh a textured t- I feel like too I got- I'm lucky because I grew up in rural Southwest Michigan, so I feel like I like learned that and then moved here so it's easier to like work your way back. I'm curious to like witches who are born in New York City send me a message I want to hear about it. but um, <laughs> that does help. I'm also one of those kind of like I I see dead people witches, so that's always interesting because there's so many so many uh, here in New York and they're definitely chatty.
2: Uh, please <laughs> e- please expand.
1: <laughs> well, when I first moved in here, there there was this ghost that would show up when I was cooking all the time, and he would wear a white T-shirt. And I liked him because he was keeping me company through a breakup, and like I f- I thought he was hungry too, like to show up always when I'm making food, and I was just like, okay, this is fine, and so I would like leave a little bit out for him or say hi or whatever. Uh, I was just like, don't come when I'm asleep like that's kind of my boundary here and eventually he kind of broke that I think got too comfortable so I had to send him on his way but um other I had another friend see him and I hadn't even told her about it we had a friend here for a funeral staying in this room and Dom and I were sitting over there and she was like that's so weird I thought Cal just got out of bed but um he wasn't wearing a white t-shirt was he (laughs) I was like it's him (laughs) so things like that um I mean if you think about New York like it's just people on top of people and so many so many past lives and spirits
3: yeah a little different than I guess here in the country but also similar I suppose in some ways um I guess for me, it's like living in the country. I don't know if you guys relate. I know you live in the woods, but it's like a practice in stillness and getting comfortable in solitude, which is something which is always talked about, right? But it's really challenging to do. But I think the country, at least for me, gives me an opportunity to do that because when I lived in California and I lived in San Luis Obispo, it's beautiful. I love it there. Um, But there are so many distractions and you do have to maybe have jobs you dislike and stuff because you have these enormous bills and rent and everything. So, um, you know, being a cottage witch or a country witch where I have a little bit more time to be by myself, I think is like a gift, but also a test in my willpower because there's so much magic that lies in stillness, as long as we're willing to go there. Um, I don't know, did you guys experience that when you moved to the woods? Like it was just the stillness is almost like, or the silence is almost like deafening sometimes.
2: Yeah, I can say that like The first night I spent in my house in the woods was very alone. The first night I spent Mm -hmm. alone in my house in the woods. It was freaky because I could hear things. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you're in the city, it's just sort of like a wall of sound. It's like a constant cacophony but when you're like in the deep quiet of the woods like your refrigerator makes a noise and you sit bolt up right you're like that was a noise I heard a noise (laughs) there was a noise where noise ought not be and (laughs) so that that was the part that that definitely took some getting used to but again it's like to me the the spaces are equally sacred like when Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in the woods, like you know, trees are sacred spaces, and and creeks mm-hmm. and lakes, and and when I'm in the city, it's like you know, art galleries and cafes and you know, uh, show venues. Those are those are my sacred spaces. So it mm-hmm. for me, it's like the 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 sacredness is equal, but the practicing of that of that sacredness is is very different.
3: Yeah. I think I was reintroduced to the moon living here too. Um, Of course the sky is everywhere, right? But here I feel like the moon is so blinding and so enormous. It's like, you can't even look at it at nighttime. And I think I was used to California. There's like this permanent haze on the sky. So you're lucky if you see a few stars, but here it's like, you can actually like see into the cosmos. Like you can see the moon at a level that I had never experienced before, so um, I feel like elemental magic is a bit more prevalent in my life than it was when I was living in the city. It's like, how can it not be? Like, it's just in your definitely, face,
2: definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. Like, I, I would say moving to the woods—that was that was the biggest change. That it just became like almost hyper focused on the elements. Because, I mean, that you know <laughs> you're a part of it yeah, yeah you're it in the midst
3: of it you can't get away from it even
2: if you yeah. want to And earth air fire and water it's like it's not like you can escape that
1: and the mm-hmm. cycles of it like how each little bit is different like even in a night like we talk about the moon cycle over a 28 day period but like in a night I had forgotten when I went to go stay in the woods last year for a week that the moon is brightest at the middle point of the night not right when it gets dark that like it actually gets brighter throughout the night Mm -hmm. and so those like minutiae of the cycles living in them is so I don't know beautiful
0: yeah and that it looks so enormous only when it's so close it's a question of perspective only when it's so close to the horizon do you get that sense of that like massive moon but and it's and then it just gets like bright bright but tiny and it feels further And then when the moon isn't there, we can see the whole Milky Way here, you know, and we're really in this like Mm -hmm. soup, (laughs) soup of Mm -hmm. stars. Yeah, that and I can hear trees here. Like, I mean, I was like a tree hugger, but like my, my, my sense of being close to those things is a lot more vibrant now. But I was going to say, like, when I think about it, I think my experience of, magic is like more intensely divided by pre-kid and post-kid than pre-city like city to to country and and it's similar in a way but it's just like the the time that I have like I I feel this like perpetual longing to have to do more like solitary witch stuff but then every moment with her is so ripe with magic that I'm like challenged by my patience and said to stay in that moment with her and I just heard her today I was as I was leaving the room she's hanging out with Mark and she's like If you go counterclockwise, you'd say, take away the sickness. And if you stir (laughs) clockwise, then you say, bring the prosperity. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, that's that's from mornings. mornings." I'm crying now. (laughs) That's that's making coffee with mom. (laughs) He's like, counterclockwise? I don't even know that word. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It's nice to be in the woods. I miss the city, though, a lot. You were reminding me of when uh, Pitsy Coleman-Smith says something like in her writing about synesthesia and music, she says something about like, uh, you know, she says like, listen to good music. And Jill says, uh, draw, on- when you look at the crowds, don't think about like dirt and poverty and frustration and anger. Just feel the energy in them. That's like the energy in the printing press. She says like, draw on that, you know. Oh, all the harrows
1: are standing up on my neck. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, sights of energy is
2: interesting. Mm. Yeah, I love this city mouse country mouse thing. I love it. <laughs> Do you find that when you're when you're doing your podcast that this is like a theme that that comes up a lot?
3: I think so. Or at least I always ask Kate how like a city witch celebrates these really like agricultural. Right themes you know um, and I feel like Kate does such a good job of bringing that energy in and maybe because you didn't necessarily grow up in the city so I feel like you have that country part of yourself too. The,
1: the country mouse
0: heart. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. But I think yeah. I think that's part of being a poet too right is, is I'll say our um, <laughs> we four poets here our yes. ability to find the metaphors in everything you know we can talk about a seed and planting a seed and obviously you know that's like a a seed and we put it in soil and we water it or we can talk about that as like an idea Mm -hmm. you know so that's how reese and i uh, because we started practicing together we were both living in the city living Mm -hmm. in montreal and so it was all very metaphorical, you know. And now we're sort of getting a bit more literal with it, but still keeping those metaphors in our pockets, right?
0: And play. Like I, I love the I love the getting into a circle and throwing eggs in the street. Like all of my all of my favorite like teenage rebellion was a form of like theater performance ritual play, you know? And I just I don't know, I wanna give that to our listeners and to yours that like if you if you feel stuck in like how to access your magic or your practice, um, you can just fucking play around with it. I think right.
1: There's that Starhawk Starhawk quote about like how people think ritual is so serious and and things, but mostly it's just about being playful and trying to get back to that playful place for the most potent magic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah donna Haraway stuff too about play uh, play as worlding that we, we play with play with strings and we worlds or something
2: and, like and i mean that that's exactly what you were doing with your flying cat right
0: yeah
2: yes <laughs>
1: um i wonder yeah. if it's still around i should reach out <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh thanks so much for this for this extended hang this like many nice. many part hang feels really crisscross really nice. yeah <laughs> I love this we'll have to do it again definitely Absolutely. and thanks mm-hmm. to the
3: witch web for connecting us again um so Molten special to cosmic meet. witch yes <laughs> yeah getting all the shout outs
0: yeah and Yeah, I mean, listeners, as we sort of wind this one down, I hope that your feelings of loss are at least in part balanced by your feelings of play and of being held and supported by each other, connected to each other. Maybe take a minute and spirit write some of your guides today. Remember the moments that you got hit in the face with a sense that you're alive
2: and that magic is everywhere. Magic is in the streets of Manhattan and it is in the fields of Portugal and it is in the woods and it is in the concrete. Mm. Can we expect a magic and alchemy book at any point? Mm. <laughs> Kate's yes. got her fingers crossed <laughs> and so does Kristen.
3: Yeah, um, I think Kate and I both would love to just write all the books, all the things um, so yeah, always, always books in the works, always books on the brain. Absolutely.
0: Do you want to mm-hmm. tell uh, listeners a bit about where they can find you and the projects they should watch out for coming from you? Yeah. Kate, you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I send a weekly
1: newsletter. It's free. It has um, poetry prompts in it every week. Um, and so you can sign up for that at kateblue.com There's also like a little word witch workbook that's free if you want more of a writing um, magical experience. And I teach word witch workshops, and I'm around. Yeah, K eight blue <laughs> on Instagram.
2: <laughs> I we'll, also s- oh, yeah. We'll, I was ahead. just saying we'll we'll link to uh, your workshop and your website in the show notes for those of Thanks. you who are listening without a pen.
3: I am also a subscriber to Kate's newsletter and I love it. And even if you're not a poet, um, if you do the prompts, you will be a poet. I promise. They're all so beautiful.
1: We're all poets. Uh, <laughs>
3: yes, we are. It's true. Um, Thanks, yeah, Kristen. people can find me um, online, Instagram at Easton in Alchemy. I have a website, kristenlisenby.com. I send out a bi-weekly newsletter for book witches, um, word witches. Um, I also have a project called Little Witch Books, which you can find on Instagram as well, where me and a fellow um, witch and art witch, Caitlin Barone, we have a children's book. I say children's because I think it's for people of all ages, but that will be out um, around Samhain time. It's a Samhain themed book. So yeah, we're around on the internet, all sorts of places.
2: Do you have a title for the book? I
3: do. It's called Little Witch Hosts Sound Supper. Mm, we'll
2: be so, so good. So
3: good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to end with, because I, I pulled up that poem that Amy and I actually both quoted correctly, <laughs> despite my... Fucking correcting you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, witch. But um, since we talked about word witches and the world-making power of the imagination, we have to we have to say this right. So Diane de Prima wrote: "There's no way out of the spiritual battle. The war is the war against the imagination. You can't sign up as a conscientious objector. The war of the worlds hangs here, right now, in the balance." It is a war for this world to keep it a veil of soul-making. The taste in all our mouths is the taste of power and it is bitter as death. Bring yourself home to yourself, enter the garden. The guy at the gate with the flaming sword is yourself. The war is the war for the human imagination."
2: Thank you, Kate and Kristen. Thank you, Diane Prima.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs)
0: Well, Plus if I can fucking be.
3: Me. <laughs> you must be a witch
0: the missing witches podcast is brought to you by the missing witches coven join us right now on patreon.com slash missing witches blast if I can be